Honda Motor Corporation is an unloved stock. It's trading at six times EBITDA as a 10% free cash flow yield. In order to outperform the market, you have to invest where the market is not, and Honda is definitely not in the market. Stick with me. I'm going to make the case for Honda Motor Corporation. Ready? Let's get to work. Hello, welcome to Rational Investing. My name is Cameron Stewart, CFA. This week up, Honda Motor Corporation. We're going to take a dive into this unloved stock and figure out how much hard money, how much jack this company makes. If you bought it today, hell of a decade, how much do you think you could work? We're going to begin by looking at the five key attributes that we use in this channel to underwrite each stock that warrants further due diligence. Number one, revenue growth. Number two, earnings growth. Number three, strong free cash. Number four, low debt. Number five, a well-priced stock. What is a well-priced stock? It's a stock that has a conservative forecast and is priced such to beat the market. All right, let's take a look at Diogo's work here. He was one of the analysts in the cash flow club producing one of the 200 stocks that we review on a deep dive of how much cash this business actually makes. If you want to check this out, join the cash flow club at cashflowinvestingpro.com. He gives a great review of revenue for the business and adjusted free cash flow. It's been roughly flat for a long time with a spike recently in earnings, which we believe will revert back to normal, but they definitely had a big year last year with some inventory adjustments that boosted cash flow. And what are they doing with that cash flow? Well, you can see the adjusted cash flow is growing uh, with this kind of one-time pop that we think will revert back to the average. But what they're doing is they're buying down debt. You can see the debt number here from three times to 2.6 times EBITDA has fallen by a full turn of EBITDA. That's great. Meanwhile, the market value of the company, the enterprise value, has also fallen from eight to six and a half times. The stock has gotten cheaper as it's becoming less leveraged as well. And what are they doing with the free cash flow? Well, they're buying back stock and they're buying back a massive amount of stock. So if you're a long-term investor who likes a compounder with a with potential for a trifecta, let's dive, a, dive into Honda. So here's their automotive sales in thousands. You can see their, their spike in 2019. Automotive sales come down to a low in 2024. And we expect that to kind of revert and become somewhat flat over the long term as they kind of ebb and flow. Uh, this is total revenue from automobile sales. It's kind of up and down, up and down. But in general, it's a trend line that they're trying to maintain. Here's their forecast that they put out for 2024. They're showing some pretty decent growth here. Motorcycles up. Uh, 2.3%, automotive up 18%, power products down 16%, but power products is a smaller piece of their revenue. In, total, to, to, in terms of total revenue, actually, I found this very interesting. Uh, vehicle, uh, uh, motorcycles are 17% of their total revenue, which I thought was really, really interesting. 62% from the automotive sector, you get about 2.6% from the power tools section, and you get another 17, 18% from the financial services sector. So they are expecting growth next year and their forecast revenue should be up 7.6%. Operating profit, they're expecting a 20% bump in profit over the year. That's gonna be really critical to their success. They need to figure out how to hit that number. And they're saying, hey, what are they gonna do? Well, we're gonna hit $1 trillion of operating profit in 2024 is their forecast. Good luck to them. That's a mighty jump from the 839 billion yen that they booked last year. So that's definitely up. And what are they gonna do with that? Well, they're gonna buy back an S ton of stock. They're gonna put 200 billion yen 
back into the business to buy back stock as they also continue to pay a dividend and buy down debt. So they are doing what's necessary to write the balance sheet and wait for the market to give them respect that they deserve for uh, the earnings power that they have. The other thing I thought was very interesting when looking at Honda is that they own a lot of the underlying manufacturing capability for their products. They own the, the factories that make the engine, the transmission, the frame of the, of, of the car. A lot of car manufacturers outsource all of it. Honda has the manufacturing capacity, the installed capacity to go ahead and make that. That is a very, very difficult asset to replicate. And I think there's a lot of underlying value in a company that owns a lot of their supply chain like Honda does. All right, let's dive into the one pager for Honda Motor Corporation. So we've converted these, these, these yen do, uh, figures into dollars uh, to give you an idea how they've been performing. 2014, total revenue is $122 billion in revenue, and that has been flat for a decade. So 122, 110, 130, 123, 144, 142, kind of a peak in 2018, and then down 138, 122, 122, 126, last year, $126 billion of revenue, which is flat. EBITDA did not fare well. EBITDA was negative for the decade, 13 billion to 10, 10, 13, 14, kind of again, a peak of profit and earnings in 2018, and then down to 13, 12, 11, 12, and finally $11.2 billion of earnings last year. They are acknowledging that they need to revert that higher, and so I would be watching this stock, reading the quarterly reports, making sure that management is executed on their plan. That's gonna be critical for them to turn the stock around. If they can hit, hit the plan, grow operating profit, then I think they've got a, a shot at, at, at uh, really doing something for the business out long term. But this does not check our box for revenue growth or for earnings growth. Uh, let's take a look at the debt that they have. So debt is flat over this period of time, 57 billion to 57 billion. Uh, and the cash has been stacking. They've got free excess free cash, $11 billion to $28 billion of free cash uh, excess cash on the balance sheet. And what we do with that, by the way, so what do we do with this free cash? We have the net debt. So they have $57 billion of debt, but they have $27 billion of cash. You subtract those two and you get your roughly, what's that, $30 billion of, uh, of net debt that we can use to value the business. Market cap for this stock is down $64 billion to $42 billion in the decade. That's a 4% decline over the last decade, or roughly $20 billion in market value. Enterprise value follows the same pattern. If I look at debt ratios, they were up, they were fully leveraged prior to the decade at four times EBITDA. That's greater than our three times, so we would not be buying the stock at that point. But that's come down to 2.6 times as they completely try to unlever this business. And that is exactly what we want to see. That puts them in a very strong position uh, in for, for the future of this higher interest rate environment if they've been shedding debt. And the last two years, they've gone from four times leverage to 2.6 times. Last two years, they put out a total of $9 billion to buy down debt. That's a tremendous power that they have to buy some of that down. In terms of the valuation of the business, it was trading at eight or nine X. It's now uh, six and a half times enterprise value, which is which is very low for a business of this size, uh, given 
it's not growing, I get you that. But the sheer size and the assets that they have, uh, I would think denotes a, a little bit better than that. <clears throat> but here's the adjusted free cash flow. You can see the spike last year, 14 to 15 billion uh, dollars in free cash flow, adjusted free cash flow from operations. Uh, we expect that to come back down and normalize a little bit. That's a little high. I don't want to peg a forecast off that. Um, but it's definitely nice to know they can gen up free cash when they want it. They put back about $4 billion annually into the business um, for, for CapEx. And this has declined over the last decade, which I'm not a fan of. I'd like them to be building capacity. It looks like they've been kind of resting on their laurels a little bit or not sure of where to put that cash. Uh, they definitely bought a lot of stock back. On debt, you can see they're issuing stock, excuse me, issuing debt the last part, uh, early part of this decade, and they've flipped that, and they're really starting to get aggressive at buying down debt. I think that's that's speaking to their sense of urgency to make sure they have flexibility in the balance sheet, and that's probably why they haven't been coming out with a lot of EV uh, cars recently, is they've been trying to write their balance sheet before they go into the uh, EV business heavily. You can also see they've been buying back shares. Oh, so free ca free cash flow equity. They make around uh, four four to five billion dollars of uh, free cash flow to equity. You, on the shares themselves, the shares have been declining. You got 1.8 billion shares down to 1.7 billion shares. So they're taking off about one percent of shares outstanding every single year. And we get to free cash flow yield. So if they're if they're if they're producing about uh, call it two, call it three dollars. If I'm, I ignore these years, which are high. They're paying down debt. If you go up here, where they're they're not paying down debt, they have about three dollars per share of free cash flow, uh, and they're currently trading at about thirty-four dollars a share. That's roughly a ten percent free cash flow yield. So if this business can turn a little bit around, a little growth, I think there's a strong opportunity here for something that could actually bounce. On a forecast, so they're showing their, their, strong, their strong earnings. And I think you really need to smell check this one and make sure management can hold the line on this. If they waver at all on that 20% on that growth in profitability year over year, uh, forget about it. But if they're able to hold that uh, and then afterwards we have really no growth at 1%, that's not even above inflation. The long-term forecast here is just shy of $15 billion of EBITDA up from 12 and change last year. We've applied a seven times market multiple to this, so this is a slight expansion of that multiple from six and a half to seven. Last year, debt plus your excess cash gives you about a $44 price target out 10 years with extremely weak growth, albeit next year, this 20% marker. So we really want, really want to watch that. If I look at a per share basis, the free cash flow, so we dropping free cash flow by 50% again because we believe the last two years were kind of abnormally high. We're gonna normalize that and then run that out in the future at a 1%. So you're talking three to 350 per share in cash out 10 years with a 9% free cash flow yield that gives you $38 on a share. If we put this into an IRR, and this is where it gets kind of interesting, you're buying a stock at $34. The stock is yielding roughly 10% free cash flow. Here, they can dividend that out or they can buy back stock. Either way, you get the appreciation, which is great. 
if they choose to reinvest, hopefully they reinvest it effectively and they can actually turn the tide and grow this business. If they do that, they should get some kind of earnings expansion or market multiple expansion, which will leap the business in price much higher than we have here. But in this case, you're exiting at $41 a share out 10 years and you get a 13% annual growth rate on your money on a stock that doesn't need hardly any growth um, out long term to be able to affect that, uh, that return. So very interesting stock. Um, if we review the five key attributes, I think historically it's going to, it is absolutely going to struggle to hit these five. Let's review. Number one, top line revenue growth. No, it's zero. Don't check it. Number two, earnings growth is negative. Don't check that. Strong free cash flow. We're going to check that box because it's yielding 10%. Low debt. Yes, you'll check that box because it's 2.6 times. It's come down a lot. And a well-priced stock. Yeah, I think it's well-priced because it's forecast to be above market despite um, you know, the weak historical performance. So I think this is really a case of looking out forward. Uh, the, the, the entire stock market is completely ignoring Honda. And if it's yielding that much, you've got time, you're willing to wait. Might be an interesting flyer to take a look at, especially if management can turn in the, the, the performance that they're expecting this year of 2020, this coming year of 2024. Uh, check out cashflowinvestingpro.com. If you would like a free one pager, you can sign up via the link below for my email list. I'll send you a one pager. Uh, also, if you go to the website, you can join the Cashflow Club where you get access to uh, almost 200 stocks where we review uh, their free cash flow and give you kind of our insight on how much we think they're worth. Uh, also, if you're learning to do work like this, you want to become a financial analyst. I have a course that I teach people that fundamentally walks you through how to analyze stocks so that you can control the assumptions underlying the price forecast. So you're not just taking someone's word on it, you're building your own forecast, you're doing your own due diligence, which is truly the way to invest, not listening to clowns on YouTube, uh, such as myself, or anybody, anybody at Goldman Sachs, or Bank of America, or Merrill Lynch, all those people have forecasts, you should be building your own. My name is Cameron Stewart. This is Rational Investing. If you like the channel, hit the subscribe button, throw a comment down below. Let me know which stock you want to see next, and I will see you next week. Take care. Bye-bye.